really going on with my headset today, so I'm just going to be talking um, to all of you. Today is a gorgeous day out here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's it's predicted to get up into the 70s this weekend, which I know we're going to pay for eventually. I you cannot have this this most beautiful day in uh, March and not pay for it somewhere down the line. So, but you know what? We're going to enjoy it while we have it. And I have a really special guest today that I'm excited to introduce to you. Uh, Dr. Charles Hubner is um, he has an arth- uh, arthritis center in Michigan, and he established the Harbor Arthritis Center in April of 1999 and the Harbor Lifestyle Center in May of 2010. And Dr. Hubner is a professionally trained rheumatologist. He obtained both his undergraduate degree and his MD from Wayne State University. He then did his internship and residency in internal medicine at Henry Ford, completed a fellowship in rheumatology at the Detroit Medical Center, he has practiced rheumatology for the last 20 years in Petiski. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Dr. Hubner especially is interested in, in disease control and using a plant-based diet along with the allopathic ways of treating uh, his patients. So I am so excited to talk with him today. Uh, Dr. Hubner, can you hear me? I can. Oh, yay. Thank you so much for joining me. I think I was most excited to speak with you today because my family definitely has a history of arthritis. Um, my mother specifically suffers with Sjogren's, and um, all of her sisters have had uh, arthritis issues. And because it's so close to home for me, uh, you know, and because it's so rampant in my family, the minute I have, you know, my eyes getting a little dry or, you know, one of the other symptoms of Sjogren's, I start to kind of hyperventilate a little bit and go, no, no. But talk to me, uh, uh, Dr. Hubner, about your path to um, specializing in rheumatology and um, treating people who suffer with uh, arthritis and other autoimmune problems. Yeah, I, I'm glad to be here and, and uh, talk with you. And uh, my practice is in the town of Petoskey. It's Petoskey. Called, yeah, Petoskey is. It's at the tip of the, tip of the uh, northern uh, part, uh, north uh, western section of uh, the Lower Peninsula, right on Lake Michigan. Um, <gasps> so I became interested in rheumatology during my uh, training. Many of us physicians um, go into a specialty because of. Uh, experiences we had in our training, and my mentor and the physician who I thought was, uh, you know, a great physician and looked up to was, name was uh, Felix Madrid, and he was a, uh, he still is, he's practicing in his late 80s, um, just an outstanding uh, doctor and highly intelligent, and and he was um, my role model, and that's how I became interested in uh, rheumatology, and, and, and to be an arthritis specialist, you have to know a lot about not only the joints but the whole body because the uh, these diseases affect the entire uh, bodily system. And uh, our specialty relies uh, to a great degree on taking a good history and doing a physical uh, exam. And um, we don't rely as much on technology as some of these other specialties. Oh, interesting. So that's fa- fascinating because, you know, that means that you have to really interact with your patients uh, really closely. That's true, and it's getting harder to be that kind of a doctor nowadays with technology, electronic medical records, 
and all these other third-party uh, uh, edicts that are coming down upon doctors. Right, right. That's so true. Now, what changes have you seen, say, in the last 20, 25 years in your practice with your patients? Well, I think that the number one thing has been the introduction of the, the new uh, pharmacologic agents, the, the biologic drugs that treat uh, particularly rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, these drugs are much more potent uh, and they're more targeted. Uh, and so the outcomes of uh, people with these uh, severe uh, inflammatory diseases has uh, has improved dramatically uh, because of the uh, medications. That's the number one uh, thing that's happened in my specialty that's changed the uh, natural history of these uh, diseases. Okay, and as I mentioned, you know, you're an allopathic doctor, so you use, um, you know, as well as being really, um, you, you have a strong testimony of using a plant-based diet, but you also use regular medications and treat your patients um, in whatever way you can to relieve their pain or, or their symptoms, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and I think it's not... You know, one of the things that I think I'd like to dialogue about is this whole dualistic thinking that we get into in society that's either this or either that. And, and um, you know, I've, I've learned uh, a lot, you know, over the years. And, you know, even since I, you know, became interested in, in natural healing uh, five years ago uh, based on my own journey. Uh, but it's not either or. This, it's not a dualistic situation. It's 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 and 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 the the two can be extremely complementary and and synergistic. You cannot treat these diseases effectively without uh, the drugs. I mean, it's just you can't. I mean, and these drugs will be, bring people from the brink of biological demise uh, to a functional state. Um, you know. That being said, there's a whole array of other factors that affect the burden of inflammation in these diseases, and we can talk about that too. So a lot of it is a dietary, but there are other uh, factors as well, and. Unless we look at the big holistic picture, we're going to we're going to um, not be able to treat our patients as effectively as as uh, as if we don't do that type of uh, comprehensive approach. You know, and I love that. I love that as you talk about that the dualistic mentality because um, I do think that there is a uh, something in the air out there that is putting you know one belief against another belief, and it is sad that we you know we don't understand and realize that. You know, we need to work together that, like you say, the modern technology, modern medications have brought relief from uh, many, many diseases and pains and just miserable life for people. And that's a blessing, such a wonderful thing. But it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, we, we do need to learn to work together a little bit more for sure. No, and I think I see this in, in, in the in, in the. Uh in, in the dietary uh, in a dialogue that goes back and forth today between the plant-based and the paleos and so forth, it's a very dualistic uh, thinking, uh, and it's like either or. Um, through my own journey as as a patient and as a physician, that uh, that we have to have a broad perspective and, and we have to have an open mind, and we have to not just accept uh, what these uh, you know the so-called gurus are telling us. Uh, we have to do our own investigation, our own research and look at the data and understand it for ourselves and make our own decisions based on, you know, our knowledge and, and, and uh, background. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm a little bit, uh, you know, of a hybrid because, um, you know, I don't fit into the, uh, you know, in the, entirely in the plant-based type community because 
I still use these these drugs, and that, but I don't fit into the the distinct paradigm of uh, biopharmacologic American medicine either, because I look at the big approach and use these other uh, strategies to try and uh, heal patients. Exactly, and I do think it's getting harder and harder for people to express their their beliefs when we do seem to have these polar opposites that are you know telling people that you have to jump on one bandwagon or the other, and it's like wait 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 I can. I can pull both. I'm going to walk down the middle and pull both. So I want to talk to you more, uh, Dr. Hubner, about you mentioned a couple of times now about your own journey, and I want to talk about that. So let's take a little break, and then when we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Uh, Charles Hubner a little bit more. Uh, he has a fabulous arthritis clinic in uh, Michigan, and he has a Harbor Lifestyle Center, and we have lots of things to talk about with Dr. Hubner today, so I'm excited that he has joined me, and let's take a little break. Welcome back. You're listening to Get Wasted with Renee on Talk Zone. Here's Renee Steelman. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. On my on my show today, I have as my guest Dr. Charles Hubner, and he is a uh, a professionally trained rheumatologist. And we were talking before we went to the break about how he definitely is um, a doctor who will treat his patients any way he can to relieve their symptoms and and help them to have a, a positive life. And if that's plant based diet as as well as some um, pharmaceuticals, that's what he does. Um, Dr. Hubner, you mentioned your own journey. Tell us a little bit about that. Have you had some autoimmune issues? Um, not really. Um, what happened five years ago or so, um, my brother died of a heart attack at age 50, and uh, I was 56 at the time. And um, shortly thereafter, I was online reading the New York Times, and I was reading an article by Dr. Michael Osner, who is a mm-hmm. preventive cardiologist from Miami, and in that article, he was talking about um, inflammation, blood vessel health, and how one meal affects the health of our uh, blood vessels for hours at a time. And it was a concept that I hadn't learned in medical school, and it was kind of intriguing to me because uh, we deal with a lot of inflammation in my specialty. And so I became very interested in that whole phenomenon and did extensive reading on it. And a lot of the reading led towards um, plant-based foods, and, um, you know, I then got interested and read a lot of articles, read the China study, um, and um, was led to Dr. Esselstyn's book, Prevent Reverse Heart Disease. And um, at that time, I, I weighed almost 190, and I was taking blood pressure and cholesterol medicines. And um, I gave Dr. Esselstyn a call, and um, he uh, very graciously invited me to his uh, program in Cleveland Clinic, and uh, I did go down there and learned about his his approach and then um, kind of came back to Michigan and thought about it and decided to uh, give it a try. And so I went on his uh, plant-based type diet and uh, in six months I lost 35 pounds and uh, my blood pressure improved and my cholesterol improved dramatically. So did that allow you to get off of those medications then? I did. I did stop them uh you know, for a period of time. And um, so I went without medication for like four years. And um, and then about a year ago, uh, I kind of hit a wall. And uh, it was due to a lot of factors 
including the stress of being a doctor and taking care of a bunch of sick patients and trying to run your own practice. And right. uh, and so I, you know, I kind of went through a nosedive there. And um, and I think also dietary wise, I was uh, I was too restrictive with my diet. And um, so I've made some kind of course corrections, and uh, you know, I'm kind of back. I got down to 155 pounds, and my strength wow. had, had decreased uh, significantly. And um, so I've taken some different measures and changed my diet up a bit and um, I'm back to like 162 and starting to exercise again and a lot of it had to do with uh, becoming um, stressed uh, in regard to my practice and uh, and uh, you know just trying to be a doctor and running your own show nowadays it's it's pretty hard it really is it's definitely a different game out there I, I just went to a meeting this morning about um, using LinkedIn and <laughs> I was telling some of the other people that I was uh, there with that it's, it's you know, the days of um, opening up your doors, putting out your shingle, uh, you know, word of mouth in the neighborhood, letting people know, you know, uh, being a good uh, person in whatever field you happen to be specializing in and then letting that be your your, your, your business card or your, or your advertisement. Those days are gone and the stress of having to be on every social network that is out there and and the time that that takes as well as doing your job you know uh it is really getting crazy no it so. is and, and 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 i have the utmost respect you know i'm kind of you know walking uh two lines one in uh, being uh, in, uh, in allopathic medicine the other one being interested in holistic uh you know natural healing and uh you know i think you know my my guru or my kind of person I really like up to, there's a lot of them, but I really like Dean Ornish. I like his approach, his, his broad approach, looking at the mind and body in addition to just diet and that sort of thing. And I think that, you know, he's really hit the nail on the head a long time ago. It's really hard nowadays, Renee, to be a doctor. It, it, the pressures on us are, are tremendous and many times overwhelming uh, because of the, uh, the, the oversight, the documentation, the technology, um, it, it's just its just really to, to just try and take care of your patients uh, is really hard. And, and um, so the pressures on physicians nowadays are, 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 you know, at times overwhelming and you see this high, uh, high rate of physician burnout and uh, it's only going to continue because the system, the system is broken and um, it's, it's hard to navigate that as an individual practitioner. Yeah, I see that in some of my acquaintances that are doctors, and and they're all, you know, echoing exactly what you just said. Um, Dr. Hubner, you, when you found the research that you did, um, how did you feel about when you, you mentioned, you know, you were learning things that you didn't learn in medical school? Um, how did that affect you? How did What did you think about that when you started finding out more about different things that went on your own, doing your own research? Well, I just learned that you know what, what's happened, Renee, in, in, in uh, American medicine now is we've become uh, very kind of uh, we have a truncated view of human health, and it's based on you know bio biopharmacologic uh, uh, paradigm, where you have a pill for every ill, and uh, we don't have or really learn this broad perspective of really what constitutes human health, what are these factors that uh, that we can uh, work with with patients to, to get them on a, a approach to 
to actually um, making them well and healing their body as opposed to uh, pumping with a bunch of drugs and procedures to kind of keep them uh, chronically ill. You know, when I went to a lecture once where the, on wellness and the doctor said, you know, the, as he ended up, your doctor cannot make you healthy, only less sick. And, uh, you know, that is so true. And so, um, you know, many times doctors now are just inundated with data. We see all these drug reps and um, all this other uh, data um, kind of um, gets ignored or isn't isn't emphasized. And the research now that's done and paid for is, is done mainly by um, the pharmaceutical uh, companies, and they have their own people that write their articles. And uh, a lot of these uh, studies are, are, are funded and designed by the drug companies and so forth. So um, these other uh, diet studies and other lifestyle studies they get short shrift, uh, and so they don't get the, the attention or the notice. Right, right, and I hear that. Unfortunately, I hear the exact same thing from so many patients who have done what you've had to do as far as uh, sitting down and researching and doing their own investigation to uh, find out more about an illness. And I have a, a client that I just met with the other day whose husband has prostate cancer. And so through her own research, not from anything she was told by her doctors, they have decided to adopt a plant-based diet. And it breaks my heart to see people doing this after the fact. Um, and like you say, rather than treating people to keep them healthy, let's, you know, I, I love what you said about just making them less ill. Um, that's, that's very, very sad. But I want to talk uh, specifically today about some of the autoimmune diseases that you see and, and that you work with every day. Um, specifically, um, we talked a little bit about Sjogren's, and if any of the listeners are out there, it's probably something that most people have, have not heard of. And if anyone wants to look it up, it's spelled S-J-O-G-R-E-N-S, and it's my understanding that it was named after the doctor that first identified it, as many um, diseases are. But, uh, Dr. Humer, talk a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit about Sjogren's and how you work with your clients. Well, Sjogren's and all the, many of the diseases that we deal with are um, so-called autoimmune diseases where the body's immune system, the white cells and chemicals of the immune system that were designed to fight foreign invaders such as viruses and bacteria and help with um, uh, healing and, and uh, surveillance against the cancer cells are turned against the body's own tissues. And that's the, com that's the common theme that underlies uh, many of these diseases, whether it's lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, or Sjogren's. Sjogren's is where the immune system is attacking and inflaming the spit and tear glands. So the people have problems with dry eyes and dry mouth. Uh, there can be other areas that, that can be inflamed uh, and irritated in Sjogren's. Uh, it's the most common autoimmune disease. And um, many times people have symptoms for years, dry eyes, and then finally they get a diagnosis. Um, and so um, there's no cure for this uh, for these, this disease or any of these diseases. Um, there's drugs to treat them, and there's various procedures like plugging the tear ducts uh, to to increase the uh, tear pooling in the in the eyes, um, and you know, so there's there's various strategies of dealing with the condition to try and suppress the inflammation and then treat the the dryness with either uh, drops, uh, medications to stimulate the tear and uh, spit and so forth. So it's uh, it's it's quite common, 
it's usually more nagging than, than life-threatening. Occasionally it can have severe consequences. Um, things like lymphoma can develop. Uh, mm. but, but many times people live a normal life and have uh, minor to moderate irritations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's one of those things, like you said, um, of course, all of us take advantage or uh, don't pay attention when we're feeling great. But when we have an illness where we're not feeling very well, um, that's when we really key into our bodies. And something as simple as your eyes tearing or, the, uh, like you said, the salvatory. Um, my mom, who suffers with Sjogren's, um, just little things that we don't think about, like being able to, I mean, she has to have a bottle of water with her at all times because even speaking, um, we don't realize how much our saliva, how we use it every day. Uh, her, you know, dental, she has to really stay on top of her dental care because saliva is very important as far as, you know, everything, digestion, everything. So having your saliva glands wacko is, it sounds kind of minor, but it's huge. And public speaking, she's a beautiful public speaker, but she can, she can no longer do that because, um, her mouth just gets so dry and, I remember when it first started to, um, she first started having symptoms, taking a walk outside if it was a windy day, uh, you know, sunglasses, all of these things that we don't think about, you know, when, we're, when our tear, tears aren't working and our saliva isn't functioning properly, it's huge. No, it can be very, uh, uh, very nagging, very um, uh, bothersome and can really affect the quality of life significantly. And uh, people that have severe involvement like that, yeah, and they... Go outside, and uh, I have patients of mine that wear uh, swim goggles outside uh, wow. to, <laughs> to preserve the moisture in their eyes. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a fun thing to have, and it, it can it can be consuming. And uh, people do have to learn to deal with it by uh, staying moist and taking water with them, and keeping water next to their bed, and and and, and it affects. What they can eat, and as you said, if there's saliva is not being produced adequately, that can affect uh, the dental health, and uh, which can deteriorate quite quickly. Right now, you mentioned that it's it's not curable. Um, is it preventable? You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that um, that's I think remains to be determined. Um, one of the things that's really interesting in medicine now, a hot new uh, area of medicine is called epigenetics. Are you familiar with epigenetics at all? No, I'm not. Okay, well, there's switches between our genes that can activate and deactivate them. Uh, our genes are not either are not immutable. In other words, the what we're born with can be changed by environmental factors. That's a hot new area of medicine that's been uh, dis- described over the last few years. They, they sequenced the whole human genome a few years ago and found out all the genes and then found out that they didn't understand disease as much as they thought they would just by identifying these genes. Uh, For instance, if someone has Sjogren's uh, uh, syndrome and they have an identical twin, the risk of the identical twin having Sjogren's syndrome is certainly less than 50%, might even be 15 to 20%. They have the same DNA. They have the same genes. One person has the disease. The other person does not have the disease. One person has had their disease genes activated by some environmental factor either viral infection, toxins, um, you know, who knows what. But the, the disease genes have been turned on by some factor. The other person has not had their disease genes turned on. They have the same DNA. Um, so this whole 
area of epigenetics descri- is describes and makes us understand a lot of these phenomena. And so, theoretically, if someone has these genes, um, if they uh, abide by or avoid uh, triggers or factors that could potentially activate them, uh, and we know what some of these things are, for instance, in rheumatoid arthritis, that cigarette smoking is huge, increases the risk for, uh, for uh, rheumatoid arthritis by five times. And so the smoking does huge bad things to our system, but in addition to that, it turns on these inflammatory autoimmune genes that are laying dormant. Uh, same thing with obesity. When we carry extra weight, uh, that stimulates inflammation in our body, and it stimulates germ genes to be turned on that uh, uh, cause diseases like um, rheumatoid arthritis and type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and so forth. So, uh, and, and things like health of gums and teeth, periodontal disease we know can trigger, uh, trigger inflammatory reactions in the body. Um, and eating, eating a, a, a processed uh, animal-based diet can also uh, trigger uh, inflammatory disease, particularly in the gut. Um, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease were rarely seen in, uh, in, in, in societies that don't consume the Western diet. So there's a lot that one can do if they have a tendency to develop one of these diseases uh, to uh, mitigate the effect of uh, the development of, this, of these diseases, such as having assiduous uh, care for uh, gums and teeth, uh, maintaining a lean uh, body, not smoking, exercising, eating an anti-inflammatory diet, and so forth. Wow, that's fascinating. And But it's, it certainly makes sense when you see people that'll say, you know, oh, my 95-year-old grandpa drank every day and smoked till he, you know, and he's great. And then, you know, you have other people that are really suffering with one thing or another. It's that's uh, that's that makes perfect sense. You know, you mentioned you mentioned that um, that when you first met with Dr. Esselstyn and you adopted the diet, that you you know lost a lot of weight, but then eventually you, you kind of maybe thought it was a little too restrictive. Um, and how did you modify that and, and make that change? Well, I think, you know, what, a couple of the things that I was doing uh, wrong was um, uh, I was eating a lot of um, uh, wheat products um, and bread and, and uh, wheat pastas and so forth and, and, and consuming not tons but, um, you know, some sugars, uh, you know, maple syrup and, um, and, and some, you know, quote unquote vegan, uh, desserts and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and wasn't, you know, wasn't, you know, it was kind of adhering to the, you know, low fat, really ultra low fat type diet and, um, you know, avoiding, you know, minimizing or avoiding mainly, you know, nuts and not, you know, eating, um, you know, avoc- avocados and so forth. And, um, and then I think that, you know, I, you know, I was eating lots of fruits and vegetables, but basically, uh, you know, along with just the, you know, incredible stress of, of uh, you know, being a doctor in my practice, um, you know, became really, uh, you know, run down. And, yeah. uh, and I think it was multifactorial. I think that some of it was uh, just the stress of my existence. And some of it was uh, that my diet was too restrictive. So I, I broadened it. I cut out a lot of the, you know, refined the sugar, any sort of sugary foods, um, and really backed off on, on wheat products. I'm not gluten-free, and 
We can talk about that. I think that the whole gluten-free thing is a little bit over the top mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, and and then, you know, occasionally I added a little bit of uh, uh, animal protein, uh, uh, shellfish and salmon, you know, occasionally, maybe 2% of my diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I gained back um, uh, 7 or 8 pounds and uh, became a lot uh, my my strength improved as well. So I think right. it was a combination of, of factors. And, you know, and I'm doing some other things to help my own uh, health as far as uh, relaxation, um, meditation, and I've even taken up knitting. Oh, my gosh, that's fascinating. I love that. I love that you've totally taken control over your own health. And, Dr. Hubner, I, I was just listening today to a commercial for a rheumatoid arthritis um, uh, medication on the TV. And then, of course, you know how nowadays after they do the advertisement, they have to list all of the things that, you know, could go wrong. And how, how do you deal with that when you have a client come in and you're saying, I'm going to give you this medication? Here are the list of things, you know, that might possibly happen. You know, your legs are going to fall off. You're going to die. I mean, sometimes the, the list is just it makes you stop doing whatever you're doing and turn to the television set and go, really? How do you deal with that? That's a great question, you know, and I think there's different ways of how um, we can address those those issues. I think that f- for one of the things I do is, um, you know, I, I'm trying to seek out a clientele that uh, wants to look at the big picture and, and wants to try and heal themselves uh, in, in a collaborative fashion with with uh, with with me as their uh, physician. Physician, you know, means healer, and I think we should try and heal our patients as much as we can. And um, so what I do a lot of times is they've come in and they've seen all those things and they're scared, you know, what lists about that. And, uh, and But I use that sometimes. I say, well, you know, we may have to use these drugs uh, to get your disease under control. On the other hand, if you quit smoking, fix your teeth, uh, and lose weight and, and eat well, we may not ever have to go there. And so, um, you know, that can work in my favor and the patient's favor, if you will. Um, there are times when, you know, we have fiduciary responsibility to our patients to do what we can to help them the best way we know with the tools we have. And so sometimes I have to talk people into taking those drugs because it's either they're going to get crippled and uh, end up in the corner like a little pretzel or uh, they're going to maintain a functional state. So sometimes I have to um, be a little bit um, aggressive, if you will, in, in trying to uh, convince them, uh, you know, the, the scientific rationale behind uh, recommending those medications. It, it's a real, um, you know, kind of dance that you have to go through, and uh, it takes a lot of time sometimes. Right, right. And I love that. I love that you pointed out that, you know, that the term physician is healer and that that should be the primary goal is to not just make symptoms go away or not just to make people feel better. Here you go. Take this. Get out of my office. You're going to feel so great. But let's get you healed. Let's make this problem go away. How how receptive are your clients when you talk to them about eating a plant-based diet? How What's the reaction you get? What are your, you know, 60, 40 percent? How do people react? Uh, well, that's a great question too. You know, I think it depends on um, how we uh, uh, 
present things to people, and and I think that it's been a it's been a a learning experience for me. I've learned a lot about myself, about my patients, about human health, and about medicine over the last five years. And I must admit that that uh, I've made a lot of mistakes, and uh, I continue to try and learn from my mistakes. Uh, I think at one point in time I was too too aggressive, too prescriptive, um, too um, unbending, um, too dogmatic about about this sort of thing. And I think we have to be careful um, about you know those of us that are uh, you know live on uh, plant based type diets. And, and believe in it and the science and so forth, um, that we don't become, um, uh, you know, ve- what I call a vegangelist, that we become so obnoxious and so, um, you know, in your face that you just turn people off. Right. And, and uh, you know, that definitely, you know, can happen. And I, you know, I must admit that I'm, I've been guilty of that. And I think I've take, taken a much more um, uh, kind of... Uh, subtle, nuanced approach. My nurse practitioner who I used to work with, Jane Denae, who retired, used to say, the patients have to care that you know, uh, or they have to know that you care before they care what you know. And so I I think we have to establish human connectedness and relationship with people, um, and then we can start to, um, you know, explore these things. And, And we have to I think uh, do uh, motivational type interviewing and question people, and I, I find that many people are very interested in this sort of thing. They, they either get tired of taking the drugs or they're scared of the drugs, and they want this other approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other hand, um, a lot of the populace has been uh, brainwashed uh, into thinking that they're going to come into the doctor and they are passive uh, receivers of whatever the doctor has to offer them, and the doctor is going to make them a new person, and they don't have to lift their own finger. Um, and you know, when you run into situations like that, um, a lot of times you just hit the wall. And 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 a friend of my patients have left my practice and gone to doctors that that don't have my philosophy or my approach and just want to, you know, push the drugs and procedures. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, it, it yeah. becomes. It can become, a, you know, a selective uh, process, but it's very, and, it, you know, being a man, uh, you know, I've worked with all women in my practice for my, you know, whole career, and I have a lot of uh, women, female patients. The hardest thing a man has to do, well, one of the hardest things, there's a lot of hard things we have to do, <laughs> but one of the hardest things to be, cause, you know, we just don't, we don't connect the way women do with people, and for a man to tell a woman that she's, you know, that she's way overweight or has to lose weight, that is a very difficult uh, interaction at times. And I must admit that um, I've, I've learned over the years that that's the case, and it's, very, uh, it's a very challenging situation to try and work with people and get them to, um, you know, recognize that and deal with it and, 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 and want to, uh, you know, change it. Right. Right. That's so true. That is so true. In all areas of medicine, when you're dealing with uh, specific female issues and you have a male doctor, um, you know, I just remember even just my um, OBGYN, you know, going back in, you know, if you had the baby and you go back in, the doctor says now there'll be absolutely no lifting. 
Um, you know, don't drive, don't lift anything over five pounds. And, you know, I'm standing there with my other three children. I'm like, really? Who do you think is going to pick them up and put them in the high chair? I'm doing this, you know, and you just want to kind of go, right, whatever. And then, as you said, men lose weight so much easier than women do. It's a whole hormonal thing. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely some uh, you have to walk on that water real, real carefully for sure. Oh, that's so true. So um, now you've probably heard of, um, I, I saw Sabrina Williams on a talk show the other day, and she was saying how she was diagnosed with um, Sjogren's and went to a, a clinic in Florida, I believe, to, you know, learn and to, to find out more about eating a plant-based diet. Um, have you any knowledge about her or her situation? Yeah, I know. I think it's uh, Venus Williams, I think is the one that has. Oh, uh, that's it. Yeah has uh, Sjogren's and yeah I've, I've heard that and I know that she was on uh, on a plant-based diet um, you know a plant-based diet can be anti-inflammatory for a lot of reasons and uh, including you know the epigenetic me- mechanisms Ornish showed in his prostate study that uh, in uh, three months on a lifestyle change uh, including plant-based diet could change the function of 500 genes in our body turning mm-hmm. on genes that decrease inflammation and uh, risk for cancer and turning off genes that stimulate things like breast cancer, prostate cancer, inflammation, and what's called oxidative stress. So there's no drug that will do that. Uh, so there's a lot of scientific reasons and rationale behind, um, uh, you know, a plant-based diet and being anti-inflammatory, and that's one of the reasons why I like to promote uh, healthy eating. That being said, I don't think anyone knows um, exactly what is the ideal, perfect plant-based diet. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we have a bunch of great doctors out there that have been, you know, pioneers, groundbreaking people. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, it's not one-size-fits-all. That's what I've come to realize in my own journey as a patient and seeing mm-hmm. my patients go on some of these uh, diets. Some people do great on uh, high-carbohydrate, starch-based diets. Some people get sick as a dog. I mean... And, you know, one out of 100 people has celiac disease. And if they go on a, on a high-carbohydrate, uh, you know, a diet with lots of wheat products, they're going to get sick as a dog. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I think that uh, we have to have an open mind and, uh, and, and be, uh, you know, expansive in our thinking. What is good for an induction therapy, uh, someone that's got horrible heart disease and so forth, uh, you know, what is the best maintenance, uh, you know, after they, you know, lose it? For instance, when I lost all that weight and then hit the wall, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. I was doing something wrong there. Um, and uh, But I think with people that have advanced coronary artery disease, uh, they're best uh, sticking on an Esselstyn or Ornish approach. Um, and then there's a lot of people that, that fall in between that, um, you know, no one has shown that, to my knowledge, that, that eating 100% plant-based, uh, is healthier than eating, say, 95 to 98% plant-based. Right, right. And, and you may have to take less supplements if you, if you, you know, you selectively put in a few animal uh, mm-hmm. products. And I think that what, you know, all of us can be guilty, and I, I have been too, of what they call confirmation bias, where we look at the data that only reinforces our, our worldview, our viewpoint, and reject uh, anything that's contrary to that. And you see that a lot on all sides of the diet debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the way you put that. You're exactly right. 
And I do think that, like you say, I, I remember hearing someone say, if you think you have something for everybody, you have something for nobody. You can't, you know, there isn't one thing. Everyone does have to be their own advocate and find out what's best for their own body. And, and you know, for example, I was just with someone the other day, and, and they had heard about the Get Wasted program. They wanted to know more about it. But when I asked her about what her health concerns were, you know, she talked about, you know, being gluten-free and having uh, um, leaky gut syndrome and how she had just gone through some uh, bone um, marrow uh, broth, you know, and all of this and how she was really feeling so much better with a high, pro, you know, animal protein diet. And I just said, you know what, I'm so glad you're feeling better. I don't think my program is for you, but, you know, if you're feeling better and, and then work with whoever you're working with and let's, you know, we will go on. So, you're absolutely right. The confirmation bias is so true in so many areas of our lives. You're right. It is, and, and I mean, you see in the political realm, and and uh, and, and you know, in this idea of dualistic thinking too. I mean, we we think it's you know, you can't you're either plant based or not plant based. I mean, you know, there's uh, there's some really great people out there. There's uh, Drew Ramsey, who's a psychiatrist uh, out east, and he promotes a plant based diet, but not 100% plant based. And he, you know, on some of his, uh, you know, is based on brain health. And, uh, you know, people with psychiatric conditions. And I can tell you that when I got, you know, down to 155 and, uh, you know, I was stressed out to the max and so forth, my anxiety, uh, you know, level and, and symptoms of depression, you know, kind of reared an ugly head. And I think it was, once again, multifactorial. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, and then there's David Katz from Yale uh, who writes very eloquently, and he's plant-based as well, but not 100% plant-based. But sometimes when these guys, you know, come out and, 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 you know, say what they have to say, they get vilified by the plant-based community. That You know, they're not like a fellow traveler or something. And I think we have to be respectful of people that have a lot of knowledge and background and, and listen to them. And I think one of the things that I've tried to do is, is, is read and listen to the other side, too. Not just, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you know read what the paleo people are saying and why they're saying it and, and scrutinize it yourself and, and look at the data yourself, and I mean, uh, people. I mean, Denise Minger is she's like uh, she's like a uh, uh, a devil or something to a lot of these people in the plant-based community. But you know, I've read her stuff and read what she had to say. No, she doesn't have a PhD or anything, but you know, she she brings up some points that you know about as far as micronutrients and so forth that mm-hmm. that have to be um, you know addressed and thought about, like you know. Vitamin D levels, omega-3 fatty acids, B12, calcium, iodine, iron, iron, selenium, and so forth. It can be a challenge to get all the nutrients that one needs uh, navigating a 100% plant-based diet. Not to say that it can't be done. Uh, certainly can. But there's a lot of vegan junk food out there, too. There's the vegan cheeses, the fake meats. People think that as long as it's not meat or dairy, it's okay to eat and they're going to be fine. So right. um, people really have to be educated and really... Um, look at the P's and Q's if they want to do 100% plant-based diet. Right, exactly. Well, let's take a little break, Dr. Hubner. And when we come back, I want you mentioned the uh, the gluten issue, and I want to talk about that um, before we end our show today. So let's take a break. Welcome back. You're listening to Get Wasted with Renee on Talk Zone. Here's Renee Steelman. 
Hi, thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming back to Get Wasted with Renee. If you have any questions and you'd like to get a hold of me, you can reach me quite easily. Either just give me a call at 503-869-6421. My website is www.nwgetwasted, that's W-A-I-S-T-E-D.com. And I have with me today as my guest, Dr. Hubner, and he has been providing arthritis treatment services in the northern Michigan area for way over 20 years. And we're talking today about the benefits of not only the uh, pharmaceuticals, but also possibly introducing eating a plant-based diet to help some of the symptoms that people that have arthritis issues have. And before we went to break, we, we had just started talking about the gluten-free uh, trend that is going on right now. And um, Dr. Hubner, what's your, you, you had some things you wanted to say about that. Well, I, I'm, I'm not the world's expert on, on um, you know, gluten and lectins and some of these other uh, chemicals in, in wheat. Um, you know, Alessio Fasano uh, from uh, uh, Boston is, is one of the world's experts on that. And, and I think that, you know, no one knows why uh, celiac disease is much more common now. It used to be like 1 in 1,500 or 1 in 2,000. Now it's 1 in 100 people. And um, no one knows exactly why that is, but definitely it's a real phenomenon because they went and looked at blood samples from years ago, and and they found that, uh, yes, indeed, that the rate of uh, uh, of, uh, uh, celiac and gluten uh, uh, issues has increased. And and so, um, you know, it's it's a real... um, Difficult situation, you know, to sort the science from the from the hype and hysteria, and mm-hmm. I think that for people that are uh, gluten sensitive, um, obviously they need to avoid um, uh, wheat, dairy, and rye and processed foods that have those sorts of things in it. And I think that that's that's the easy part. A lot of people say they're quote unquote gluten sensitive. What does that mean? There's no test for it. Um, they've done some elegant studies recently to indicate that it's probably not gluten that uh, is, is affecting these people, but it's this, uh, these other, um, uh, they call it uh, FODMAPS uh, diff- types of disaccharides and so forth that may be uh, affecting people. And so I think that, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people, it's not probably an issue for them. That being said, um, uh, you know, wheat, uh, bread products are processed to some degree, uh, they can uh, raise your uh, blood sugar quite rapidly. That they have a high glycemic uh, index, glycemic load. There's some data indicate that high uh, glycemic load uh, can um, stimulate oxidative stress or irritation in the system, uh, and the effect on the gut I think is 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 not fully understood. Um, so I think that for the vast majority of people. Um, they don't need to be uh, gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but, you know, people need to be treated. And we've diagnosed celiac disease all the time in our patients that have autoimmune phenomenon because they tend to, uh, one of the underlying uh, triggers can be uh, uh, inflammation. You know, 80% of the immune system is in the gut or intestines. And if there's right. irritation and inflammation in the gut, uh, that can affect the system elsewhere. They're looking at, uh, you know, gut dysbiosis or problems with uh, the microbiome or germs in the gut, that's another hot area of medicine that's triggering some of these uh, other diseases such as, you know, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, even rheumatoid arthritis. So there's a whole interaction between uh, diet, dietary factors, uh, gut bacteria, and inflammation. It's not simply just 
gluten or lectins. It's a very complicated phenomenon. There was a recent study to show that, um, you know, going from an animal-based process to a plant-based diet changes the gut bacteria from being inflammation-stimulating to being inflammation-decreasing in, in one week period of time. So it's, it's wow. a complex. It's a, not a simple, uh, you know, once again, dualistic, uh, uh, easy um, situation. And, and so a lot of people are on gluten-free diets that don't need to be on gluten-free diets. And a lot of the food that people eat on a gluten-free diet have high glycemic index and aren't that they're refined and aren't really helpful for, for a person either. So. Right, right, exactly. And I think it goes back to exactly what you said, you know, um, being too restrictive or being too extreme. And, you know, does it have to be one or the other? And, you know, and for people to be gluten intolerant or, you know, full on celiacs, um, you know, it, it does have, you do have to go back and, and really look at what you're eating specifically and what your symptoms are specifically and, and, um, and you're right. You're right. We don't know what's going on. I mean, there are more diseases out there. Um, I, you know, even growing up as a, as an adult, Parkinson's was very rare. And now it seems to be almost, you know, uh, common. I've got so many friends whose parents are, or even neighbors that are suffering with Parkinson's. And there's just, uh, you know, and the gluten intolerant. There's definitely some environmental issues or who knows what. I don't know. But um, you can't help but think eating whole food, like you say, least processed food you can, um, and trying to make, you know, the 75% of your plate being plant-based, that can't not be good for something, you know. No, you're doing the best you, you, can. Don't, you don't hear anyone saying eat less fruits and vegetables. No, no. And I've never heard anyone say, I have been eating nothing but fruits and vegetables, and whoa, am I packing on the pounds. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, are you familiar with Freely the Banana Girl? No. You should look up Freely the Banana Girl. She's this uh, Australian woman who eats pretty much, she's pretty much a fruitarian. She eats massive amounts of fruit, uh, and uh, she's she looks pretty healthy, at least her pictures do. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things I'd like to emphasize as as just a, maybe almost a uh, you know a final note if, if we're getting uh-huh. to the end human beings existed for a huge amount of time on this planet and had survived amazing catastrophes and and mm-hmm. droughts and, and and so forth and i think one of the reasons that human beings have survived through the millennia is that we can exist on many just about any kind of of, of nutrition we can yes. exist that doesn't mean we can thrive but we can exist so there's all these uh, we have all this capability of of getting calories and, and, and nutrients from a wide array of, of foods um, I, but I think if you look at the human organism as far as the teeth tongue enzymes intestinal structure metabolic pathways and so forth it's mainly um, set up to be uh, plant-based foods uh, and and you know, we're fruitarian, uh, you know, uh, uh, frugivores, uh, which, you know, mainly exist on fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Mm-hmm. And so I think if one looks at things from kind of a basic viewpoint, uh, that sort of thing, uh, it, it makes sense. I mean, the number one evil in the American food system are the processed foods. Exactly, exactly. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for ending on that note because that's exactly what, um, you know, I, I truly do believe, and I, I think that the Get Wasted program, which um, has been the only way that I've been able to 
uh, transition to eating a plant-based diet. That's truly how they, how they work and what they truly believe. And so this has been great. Thank you so much, Dr. Hubner, for taking time out of your cold Michigan schedule and, and sharing your information with our, our listeners. And, um, um, I hope to speak with you again and I would, I hope to be out in Michigan soon. So maybe we'll have a chance to meet in person. That's great. Thanks for having me on. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, that was great. I love talking with Dr. And I love especially what he was saying about being too restrictive. And I can, I cannot emphasize enough the glory and the beauty of the Get Wasted program because when you decide to become a plant-based eater and then you also decide that you're going to avoid all sugars and all fats and including avocados and nuts and seeds and olives, um, and I'm not even talking about olive oil, but just olives themselves, it, you will become too restrictive. Now, as, as, as Dr. Hubner mentioned, if you're doing some in kind of induction therapy where you have, you know, chronic heart disease or something, then that might be really necessary for you. But being too restrictive will all, almost always end in failure. And so the beauty of the Get Wasted program is the fact that we use whole foods. It's an entirely plant-based program, but we work with people on an individual basis. And I would love for you to give me a call or get on my website and find out more about it. I've really enjoyed spending time with you today. It's been a great show. Um, please Google Dr. Charles Hubner. It's H-U-E-B-N-E-R. He has the Harbor Arthritis Center in Michigan. And um, he does deal with rheumatoid arthritis issues, autoimmune diseases. And if any of you have people in your family that suffer with these diseases, you know how uh, debilitating it can really be, how painful it can be, and how it can really affect the quality of life. And so um, if you happen to be in the Michigan area, give Dr. Hubner a call. And also, if you are personally struggling with issues that have anything to do with an autoimmune problem, look into possibly changing to a plant-based diet. It might save your life. So I hope you've enjoyed um, today's show. I look forward to um, my next week's show, and I hope you do as well. But in the meantime, you know what? Let's do lunch. <laughs> 